0: Hello, poddlers. I hope you're well. In this week's episode, I have a very special guest. It is my big sister, Dr. Emily Forbat. So we discuss the three things she wishes she was taught in school and they range from sun damage to avoiding fuckboys. I love speaking to my sister. It's very chatty and we do talk over a little bit because I guess just the familiarity of family. Um, But I really hope you love the conversation. I've been wanting to talk to her for ages and I really enjoyed it and I think it's a lovely listen. She does have an Instagram if you want to follow her. It's Dr. Emily Forbatt, but she hasn't been posting on it as much at the minute. And you'll hear about that in the episode. But yes, I hope you enjoy. And as always, please do rate, review, and subscribe. Bye. Hello, and welcome to Adulting. Today I'm joined by Dr. Emily Forbatt.
1: Hello. <laughs> so for people who don't know who you are, do you want to give us an introduction? Um, so I am Anoni's big sister um, and I'm a doctor. What and kind of doctor I'm a you? dermatologist, so a dermatologist in training, which means that I'm a trainee and they train me up to be a consultant. So I'm almost there, I'm an ST5 and basically I became a doctor I think seven or eight years ago now and then I've been working my way up ever since... And you just did your final exam and smashed it? No, well, just
0: last exam ever. Okay, so, as you know, <clears throat> this season, I'm asking everyone what three things they wish that they were taught in school. Yeah. And very topical to what you just said, your number one thing was you
1: wish you'd been taught how dangerous the sun
0: yeah. really is.
1: I know, I really wish that. When we were young, do you not remember, we used to go, we used to always go to Spain every year and genuinely, Noni and I, so our big sister gets really nice and tan, sort olive skin, and we are as white as white. You're whiter I mean, than me. Well, <laughs> anyway, we would spend 12 hours a day, honestly, I would lay there and just burn myself to a crisp. Well,
0: I wasn't as bad because I, <clears> Tiffany and you used to get up really early and go, you'd get up at 6am, literally, and then I would always sleep in because I was younger, and then you would miss lunch because you'd be like, so I've got another
1: 20 minutes on my back, and you I would know, rotate like rotisserie terrible. chickens. I can't believe I did that now, but I wish somebody just said to me now, like, when I was 18 or even you know younger we were like 14 what are you doing it's so dangerous but we didn't really understand back then I don't think well, but, we did but we didn't but listen. I think even now like loads of my friends or people got sunbeds because you just kind of think it can't be that bad I think it's a huge um cultural thing isn't it because yeah. as much as someone will say to you oh you know don't sunbathe. You might get skin cancer one day. You think, oh well, it's never going to happen to me, or it will happen when I'm sixty, so I won't care. But you know, you've got a lot of living to do. Even at the age of sixty, you don't really want to be having things cut out, or you, you know, a lot of sun cancers, skin cancers can kill you. So, was what do you want to talk about? <clears throat> why you got into dermatology? Was it down to learning this about the skin? No. So I had a bit of a funny. I never wanted to be a dermatologist. All throughout my training, I wanted to be a surgeon. Um, and all of my jobs leading up to where I am now were very much um, acute jobs. So I used to do a lot of a and I did anaesthetics and IT and I absolutely loved it. And I always thought I was going to be an obstetrician. And then you, you kind of do your first years of being a doctor and everyone basically has a year out because you think, I do not have a clue what I want to do. And you have to kind of subspecialise at that point. And in that year out, I thought, I didn't really know. It was either between plastic surgery and dermatology and dermatology is quite nice because it's so broad. So you're a doctor, a physician, first and foremostly. So you're a diagnostician. So you're kind of doing detective work. You know, everything presents on the skin. So, um, you know, there's thousands and thousands of diagnoses that you need to know about. So you're never bored, really. But at the same time, you get to do a lot of surgery, which is quite unusual. Um, you have that in obstetrics as well. Um, but most specialties are either a surgeon or a doctor.
0: When you say year out, though,
1: it wasn't year out. You mean you just took a year out? I took a year out of training, but I was still working. But a lot of people kind of have a breather and think, right, what do I really want to do? So I didn't know this as well until you
0: went into dermatology, because I think loads of people think it's literally just looking at moles and cosmetic
1: stuff. But actually, it's I've learned from me, It's super interesting. There's no... If you're an NHS dermatologist, you don't know anything about cosmetics, really. I mean, it's a very small part of your curriculum, Being a dermatologist in the NHS means that you you do do a lot of skin cancer clinics. That's the most important thing. Skin cancer is on the rise and there's a huge amount of it, especially as people are living longer. Um, So that is a big part of it. And you do have your bread and butter things like eczema and psoriasis and acne. But a lot of it as a trainee is on-call dermatology. So, you know, people in hospital come in with blistering skin conditions or skin conditions which may signify something going on internally. So it's a lot more than that. So people just often think, oh, sometimes people don't even realise that you're a doctor and you have to explain. Actually, I don't because (laughs) they often ask me to diagnose them. you're
0: skin is the biggest organ in the body isn't yeah it? right it is and you were saying like even with COVID loads of
1: stuff yeah lots of COVID we've seen a lot of COVID um so that's interesting I mean obviously it's so new that everyone's learning about it but you know people who get COVID we're learning have lots of different skin rashes one of them being COVID toes I think dad had COVID toes COVID toes, we as a co- on your toes. We call them COVID toes. But Are you sure toes? not just got gross feet. <laughs> no, no, they well, that too, but um, you get blue toes. <laughs> really? It mm. looks like you've got chill blames, but it's, um, it's
0: oh my not God, real chill blames. That. It's
1: to do with COVID, and it can be a presenting feature.
0: So going back to the skin cancer, sunbathing section yeah. of the oh, podcast, yeah, sorry, I sorry, think, um, no, no, I no, noticed. that's really good to go off topic, but I think that I'm really worried now because we our mum when we were growing up used to sunbathe all the time didn't she because she grew up in the era of yeah, like know. not knowing
1: I remember when I used to get spots she'd be like let's just get a sunbed yeah I, used, I was never what allowed was she thinking because I used and to sit with you Do you remember you'd go after school and you'd both get 10 minutes and I was yeah. so jealous because I wasn't 18 and that was the worst thing because I used to tan my face so much I think because I suffered with acne and that's another thing it's like, an I old s-
0: school idea isn't it yeah
1: but peop- no I think even mum didn't realize that it was a medical problems, so I was never taken to a GP and I just suffered and suffered and suffered with it I think I think people are more aware now about it maybe we're talking you know 20 years ago well not quite not that old actually (laughs) 15 years ago um and yeah so my my face tans so well because I've just battered it with the sun which is horrific because you forget that not only does it cause sun damage in terms of wrinkling and skin cancer most importantly I mean what's the point in having a beautiful tan if in 10 years time you're going to have a massive scar on Mm. your face because you know by the time you cut a skin cancer out you have to take a healthy margin of tissue and you know it can be quite deforming the scars that are left um but not only that is it makes your skin saggy but not only that you lose elasticity and that is such a you wouldn't notice it now by the time you're my age you'll go oh you should have listened to me but um didn't what doesn't it make
0: your scars worse in the sun? Like, don't scars get worse in the sun rather than better? Because I thought yeah. that was an old school idea where they thought that if you blast your skin, like
1: the acne. No, I think it's it, the sun does help certain skin diseases. So, like psoriasis. Often people with psoriasis will go and have UV light treatment. Other inflammatory disorders, you know, it does help, but that's a controlled sunbed. So, you know, they're measuring your skin type, working out how much you can tolerate. And even then, if you have over a certain amount, you might need to have a yearly skin check to assess for skin cancer. So there are there is a um, time and a place where you need to have UV light therapy and the benefit can outweigh the risk. But if you're going to a sunbed, you know, down the street, that is, first of all, UVA rays, which are very dangerous and, and doesn't have UVB rays. And they're not controlled. So you have absolutely no way of knowing the amount that you're getting. So it's going to do nothing for you.
0: Because what I didn't realise, we've always loved to tan So our mum's always loved to tan. Also, yeah. like you said, it's quite like a British thing because yeah. it's such like a cold climate so, so you don't get a tan. Pale. But you were saying any
1: form of tan
0: is sun damage, Yeah, well, skin essentially, damage.
1: you, you know, you have melanocytes in your skin and depending on your skin type, you might be more prone to becoming more tan. So if you are olive skin... And you just pick up the sun. And you pick up the sun, you're less likely to get sun damage than someone like me, for example, who's very fair you know, I've probably got the fairest skin type you have. So it's your body's defence against the sun. You're effectively creating little umbrellas, if you imagine in your skin to stop the sun, the damaging rays coming through and prevent the cells getting so damaged that they become a skin cancer. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's a really good example. Um, So I think the thing is people think, oh, well, it's just a healthy glow. And there really isn't any real, you know, I don't believe in a healthy glow. If you've got a tan... Then there's sun damage there, ultimately. We
0: have to, I've got Factor
1: 50 on now and it's the middle of December because you make me wear it all the time. And also putting enough on. I mean, that's the other thing. So, if you were to really cover your body from head to toe in the sunscreen, say theoretically you were going out into the sun, um, then you should use like 36 tablespoons. Hello, sorry, this is a quick fact check. Um, Emily said 36 tablespoons,
0: but she actually meant 36 grams, which equates to six teaspoons. So I just wanted to add that in there so that we didn't get that wrong. We were just
1: excitedly talking. So there you go. Go back to listening and enjoy. Enjoy. I mean as it's like a like whole bottle people just yeah so we know that we don't use it correctly so people go for oh I think I only need you know a lower factor but you're better off because we know people don't apply it correctly using a higher factor mm. and not only just a high factor it needs to have a broad spectrum UVA rating as well because people forget you know if you're oh I don't go outside it's like well how did you get here then <laughs> so if you're going in a car you will get UVA rays coming through a car window so you need to have sun cream which has got uva protection I and mean, lots of people don't realize no. that you know like have you seen that picture of the lorry driver yeah well, half. one face side is... of the face is so wrinkly yeah so yeah so i wish somebody had said to me i mean it's my favorite thing in the world if if you get a young girl coming into clinic say they're kind of 15 and then they have a skin check and it's just like the perfect opportunity to hopefully prevent them <laughs> they're like oh if only someone told me that then most importantly to prevent them from having skin cancer but also from an anti-aging
0: yeah. perspective because it's true we spend so much money on creams and people end up getting photos yeah. and stuff and like you don't actually
1: need to pay for that if you just buy the, mo- the best mission. the best cream you can invest in is a doesn't no matter which sunscreen you use but a sunscreen that you're happy to use every day put it on your face your ears your neck the backs of your hands and if you know if you're a man I mean my fiance goes mad he's he's always out and about because of his job and he's got no hair so I'm just make him you know <laughs> slather his it, head slather it on my favourite one is the SkinCeuticals one that I wear as
0: moisturise, but it's quite expensive. Yeah. Um, that was very informative. Thank you. I'm sure You're people welcome. will have questions afterwards. Okay, so the second thing that you said that you've been wished that you were taught in school, you have to explain what you mean this to me. You said how to really live life and not waste it. It's
1: a good one, but I want to know yeah. what you mean by that. So what do I mean by that? I wish I'd um, prepped for this. <laughs> So, what I mean is, is when you go to school, everyone says, oh, what are you going to do, you know, what do you want to be and all this kind of stuff, no one actually talks to you about why you're doing it. So, what, you know, I, in my, I think I've spent a lot of time doing this, I've just got to get this exam done, I've just got to get this piece of coursework done, get through this block of on-calls and then I can enjoy Life XYZ. And then before you know it, I'm 31. I'm thinking, bloody hell, that's all that time going so old. And so, what I mean is, is that living your life is just in that moment, not like wishing for tomorrow, Mm. is in that exact moment. Whatever you're doing, even it's the most mundane thing, you know, in your life, that you're enjoying it. Because, I mean, before I did dermatology, not so much now, we don't really get this, but when I was a junior doctor, I don't know why, I just always, I think I've had, well, all doctors have a fair share of kind of sad um stories and we often don't we talk about the funny ones we don't talk about the sad ones because it's too difficult but I do just remember of those sad stories people who are dying and you talk to them just before they're dying they always try and give you it's funny like well obviously some of them are too sick to do it but it's normally like in the weeks leading up to whatever and they just always say you know your life is just so short and I know it's such a Everyone says it, but they always say, you know, who cares? And no one's going to go, oh, yeah, they were an amazing dermatologist. and an absolute <laughs> arsehole. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You'd rather be known for who you are and, like, actually living your life. You know, it could be so quick. One minute you're, you know, fine, and then you're in a massive car crash, and then that's it. So what's the point in waiting? Yeah. I you, haven't explained no, very you have. well, you, but... I love it. You always tell those
0: stories about how you'll be with, like, a really little old woman, and she'll be like, don't have any regrets. Just do whatever you yeah. want to do. Like,
1: you'll never regret the things you did. You'll only ever regret all the things that you didn't do. And also wasting... I mean, I'm the worst for it because I say this, but I I think it's because I find it hard to live by it. So if something quite um, drastic happens or really, you know, signifying at work, and then I'll think, God, I really do need to just enjoy life and live it. But then you forget and then Mm. life just carries on and it goes as normal. But before you know it, you you are 60. But that's
0: the thing. I think it's such a privilege. I think in my work, I'm given so much more room to, like, really find the joy because I get so much freedom. Whereas I think with your job... You literally don't stop. I mean, you've had to stop now because Emily's yeah. having to take time for because you've got long COVID. We can talk about that later. But um, you, I think you're so back to back and so busy that, like, lots of people, it's such a privilege to actually be able to stop and be like, oh my God, like, yeah. take it all in. But it, I think once you start realizing that you can do that, then it helps. Like, Joe, your fiance is really good at
1: being like that. Isn't? Do yeah. you think that's what made you a bit more like that as well? Well, no, he is generally a very positive person. And yeah, he does live in the moment, but he can because he's, well, Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? I don't know. There's been certain things that happen that make you really think, oh, I, I always remember when I um, worked in intensive care, this is going back a few years ago, and actually it was the old SARS, pre, you know, the SARS one, um, and there was a patient who was a multi, I mean, he was a billionaire, um, but he had a, I think I can say this because I'm not kind of, giving it away giving anything away but it's just an example of things where you think gosh this is what is really important Um, and he was a billionaire and he had a pre-existing lung condition and he got really unwell so he was absolutely obviously desperate if you've got all that money you you just want to buy your health right so you know there was this big thing about how they were like well we'll put him on a private jet and he'll come over and he could go on this special um, treatment and would he be able to go on the lung transplant list and all this stuff? And what was really sad about it is he had every single um kind of means to have that in terms of like wealth. So yeah. he could have bought the whole hospital probably. But if you you have to be a certain level of healthy for, you know, for being fit enough to have a lung transplant. For example, I don't I can't remember the exact thing what it was. And there's nothing they could do because he just he would not survive that. So it's like he was, he was trying to buy his so he life. believe
0: that he, he... You think money can buy you everything Yeah, you huh.
1: I think what I'm trying to say, yeah, your health, you realise when it comes down to it the most wealthy people are those who are healthy until you kind of are unwell you don't really realise how lucky you are to be able to just walk down the street and not be in pain or you know not have a chronic illness I can't even imagine what it's like for these people who just suffer and they keep going Mm.
0: that is really interesting to look like that and I think that it's funny because I've done a podcast before about success where I was talking to Louise Trillan We are saying how everyone always puts everything down to money. Yeah. But realistically, like, if you've got an... Un- you could be the richest person in the world, but if you've got an unhappy relationship... ...and, like, exactly. you don't have people that are around you that are going to look
1: after you, like, what's yeah. the point? Exactly. There's actually no point in like, it. Like, if, um, hopefully one day we have children, and I was a uh, sort of really good... I'm sure lots of people have seen this, but at school, I would much rather teachers say, oh, you know, um... I don't know what the name would be. Oh, what, to the child? <laughs> yeah, to the child. I don't know, just like role play. She doesn't want to say the name in case someone knows Oh, yeah, yeah, everyone steals my baby names. It's really annoying. I'm also not pregnant, just <laughs> putting it out there. Um, <clears throat> But I'd much rather they say, oh, little so-and-so, she's struggling a bit with masks, but she is just the loveliest little girl or something like that. She's yeah. a really kind person. But like, that's so much more important yeah. to be like, oh, well, she's got an A star in maths, but she's an absolute... <laughs>
0: I can't swear on here, can you I? You can swear, okay. but no, I agree. But also, I think that's our generation because I feel like our parents are brought up, which is so important because that generation wanted you to be able to work hard and
1: achieve and like yeah. do really well. But I think it's a privilege to be able to be like, look, I just want, I just want them to be happy. No, that is a privilege. Me saying that stuff, so I know what you mean. Like obviously, you had to work hard as well. Or you-
0: as long as they work, that's the thing. Though. I think if you <coughs> teach someone to yeah, work hard, to try. then that's what's important. Yeah. Whereas I thought I had to get. I mean, you literally do get A stars and everything you do to this day. She got like ninety nine percent. Emily, when you did your GCSEs, was like, I can't look. It's too stressful. When we were on holiday in Spain, I looked and it was literally like eleven A stars. And then the next year she like I failed everything. And then it was A levels and they didn't do A stars back then, but it was all A's. And then recently she was like, Oh am going I've definitely failed this but exam. But I do believe that I failed. And then she that's sends so it over sad. and it's like ninety six percent, ninety nine percent, ninety eight percent and this has been
1: going on for 10 years but I think for that it's because the so in when you're a doctor the sad thing is you have to do I mean I've been doing exams for 14 13 years and you have to pay for them all yourself which is so sad so, oh, so, you, so you don't to want like if I fail it it's going to cost me a small fortune
0: yeah that is wild yeah and what other good stories do you have from because you mentioned earlier that you we're gonna do obs
1: because you did your BSC in Obs and Giny, didn't you? Not my BSC. So I did I did um a what? job. What so I did it? you have so you do your normal degree, your medical degree. What was your BSC? Your, in? my B- yeah, you are right. My BSC it wasn't it was in maternal and fetal health. Uh, and I loved like labour and delivery. I found it so fascinating. And now I've gone the other way and I'm absolutely terrified from the things <laughs> I've seen. And I remember seeing this title and being like, This is what I'm gonna do it in. and it was like evacuatory problems, um, in women postpartum who've had third and fourth degree tears so I was thinking in my head well evacuated that means that like, the baby's not coming up that's really fascinating but actually it was all to do with these poor women who'd have you know like third and fourth degree tears, yeah, where yeah, it tears yeah. all the way through to, to your perineum yeah um and then they couldn't do, go a, poo. To do a poo and all that kind of problem uh, <laughs> and um so then I spent all this time like oh it was just very diff- I mean yeah what it was very interesting as in you know it, they would have it connections between right. their vagina and the anus, and so then like they might poo out of their vagina so uh, as It's really, I mean, this that. is rare. This is like, I can't remember what the percentage incidence is. It's low, it's like 1% or something, but it was quite scarring when you're doing that for a while. But yeah, I loved it, I found it really interesting.
0: Because when I read This Is Going to Her by Adam
1: Kay, you were like, thank God you've read it. Now you know what my life yeah. is like. Because you were like, it's so realistic. It's to such what? a good representation. Because I think people have this idea that if you're a doctor, then everyone's like really nice to you at work and all oh, the doctors here. And it's just hilarious because everyone's just like, treats you like shit half the time and you're just, I don't know. Because you'd always tell me, you're like, you. I literally, if something happens. Like if a patient
0: dies, you are like get in a cupboard and cry and then you get have to pretend that like nothing's happened.
1: Yeah, well, I think there's not time, which is the really sad thing.
0: I, remember, I think people think yeah. doctors
1: don't get upset, though. I think they think, like, oh, you trained some, yourself to- Some are very good at it. I'm the worst. I can't... I remember when I worked in Canterbury, and I was only very junior, but there was such... Um, there wasn't much senior support there. So when you work in, like, a DGH, a so district general, as opposed to, like, a big teaching hospital, often you carry a lot more responsibility as a junior than as a kind of more senior doctor. And I remember it was horrific. This family, like, rushed in, thinking that, the family member was still alive, and we'd been doing like CPR. They'd been in arrest for ages, and and they weren't going to make it. And they'd just been told, oh, they're in, you know, they're in resus. And you just assume, don't you, that they're mm. oh, how are they? Are they fine? I remember mm. they came and they had all this expectation, and they were young. That this family member was fine. I remember that awful moment of having to tell somebody that, you know, not only they're not fine, they then they're not they've not made it. But then you, <clears throat> which is horrific, and obviously them more so that's why you get upset but then you've got the rest of your shift to do so you yeah. might you'll say it I mean I'm I am the worst I find it really hard to I'm distance crying myself <laughs> so <laughs> you
0: know,
1: I, I would be so bad no I, I can I also it. get like tears in my eyes as well so it looks like I'm crying even when I'm not crying which is
0: sad I do that as well when I'm talking about something that I find funny or interesting I start crying yeah
1: um no that so is yeah you do have a little cry and then you just carry on but some people are amazing they don't I'm really good at content comp- com- Can't speak compartmentalizing. So something really awful will happen, and then I will literally kind of put it to one side and carry on, and then I will deal with it at a later point.
0: Yeah, I can't do that. I just wear my emotions on my sleeve.
1: Yeah, you do do right to the surface,
0: ready to come up, especially if I'm drunk. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, you do. Um, what was gonna say? But it's interesting because like the hours that you work. So for instance, when I was younger. Not that Dad was a glamorous doctor, but Dad is a doctor, I used to think like being a doctor was such a glam. It was like everyone was, like you could be a doctor or a lawyer. It was like one of the top jobs. It's like
1: the worst thing. Ever. And then do you... not let your child be a doctor.
0: <laughs> you can't I would never let my child be a doctor. Would you not? No.
1: I'm just well, I, I say that. So I've gone too far. I'm in too deep now. I just can't. I'm like almost there. I might as well finish it. But there's, there's so times many... when you wanted to quit. There's so many more amazing things you can do. I think the way the NHS is at the moment, you do just get worked to the bone. I mean, I'm lucky in what the career I've chosen is has got a lot better work-life balance than others. But, you know, if you work in Australia or America, I think you get treated a lot better.
0: But that's more because the NHS is underfunded yeah. rather than yeah. that NHS isn't good. Because when mum was a nurse, it was like she loved it. Like the stories of her in the hospitals yeah. are amazing. It sounds like... Yeah,
1: it's a different thing back then, I think. I mean, the NHS is incredible. Like, you cannot really fault it. Like, if, you're, if a family member is truly sick... You know, if they've had a massive car accident or need cancer treatment, I don't think there's really any other health service in the world that can is comparable in terms of when you really, really need it. I think people get frustrated with it when they need it for things that aren't, yeah. So you know, if not you're, urgent. Yeah, they are urgent because it affects their quality of life hugely. But it, it, you know, because it's trying to concentrate so much on those life-saving treatments or things that are you know, the core of um, medicine, I think those things have to kind of fall by the wayside because, I mean, it's amazing to think that you can walk into an A&E and just get treated yeah, without am to pay. It's ridiculous to think about People that. have no idea, you know, what things cost.
0: What would you wish that people would know? Because, like, I remember just being so shocked at the sheer amount of hours you would do, like... You would... I remember the saddest thing was once Emily had a weekend off for the first time in like months and months and months and you finished like a 48-hour shift because you have been made to work overtime and then you were meant to go on this weekend. You were meant to get on a flight somewhere and oh, you were yeah, so you tired that she just slept. She just passed out for like 12 hours and we were all ringing her and we were like, oh my God, she's died. And her phone had just fallen down the side and she was so tired she slept through. Missed, the you, missed yeah. it because you just... Because sometimes you'd be working and think you were going to come off and then there wouldn't
1: be another doctor and they'd be like, sorry, you're going to have to stay. And obviously you stay. Yeah, well that doesn't happen. I don't think they really let you do that so much now. So it is better now. I think patients just don't realise. So obviously for for what I do now, mainly I'm either doing a surgical list or a clinic. And so it is annoying for patients. You'll you'll always get you get the most amazing little old grannies who I just want to take home with me, and they will sit there for like five hours and not Aww. complain. I just love them so much. And then you get these young, you know, and quite entitled people who often have nothing wrong with them and they're the ones that complain. So, you know, it is annoying. You turn up, you get told your appointment's at 10am and then you get seen an hour and a half late. But what they don't see is that... As a doctor, you will get in an hour earlier. You won't even have time to probably go to the loo and you just work what works. It's just so understaffed and you'll be seeing these patients and then you will go straight from a morning clinic into an afternoon clinic. You won't have time to go have lunch, really. Or If you have lunch, you eat it over five minutes and you're also, whilst doing a clinic, will be on call. So, you know, I'll have to see patients during a clinic and then normally you're holding a bleep. So if there is an emergency, you have to kind of somehow figure out you know, you have to prioritise and work out, you know, the really bad ones you see straight away, for example, um, or when you're going to see them. So I think patients just see that they're they're waiting. And you can understand it's really annoying. Mm. They're like, I've been waiting here for an hour and a half. Um, but I don't think they quite see the pressures that you're under. Because you're making, you know, in a day I make hundreds and hundreds of decisions. And luckily because I'm still a trainee, it's so nice that you I'm constantly asking the consultants because that's your one time to learn. So I always ask questions because you'll always n- learn some sort of nugget of information, even if you think, you know, the answer, they've, you know, they've been experienced, been doing it for years and years and years. Um, but it's a lot of pressure. Like if you make a wrong decision and you send someone home who's got a melanoma, yeah. you, know, you I think it's made that mistake it's also I think that's definitely true that we don't
0: see the pressures and that's really because even I've been there before like if I'm waiting to go and get a pill or something yeah if I'm like at a sexual health clinic and you're like oh my god I've been there for like hours but I forget they that when forget, they, yeah, yeah so when they get
1: in you've got like you know you'll have like a hundred year old walk in and then you've got to check the skin all over it takes like half an hour for them to take the clothes off and then they need to have a break and then you're like okay you can't like rush them it's just the saddest thing in the world and then so you've got to examine them and then if they've got something there that looks worrying then you'll need to take a photograph you have to get consent for the photograph then you have to book them for surgery you have to take a thorough history obviously to make sure and work out because often you know people say oh can you just quickly look at this it's not anything quick about it like I need to know what you do for a living I need to know all your social history your past medical history your medication your allergies do you have a pacemaker there's a whole load of things you've got to ask and yes it is focused and you get quicker as you're more experienced but there's a lot going on and then you might need to put them a scan you might need to put them blood tests you might need to organize some type of biopsy there and then there's often like a million things going on behind that door and then they've got to get dressed again that (laughs) takes another hour and you're like
0: i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role
1: like me." In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
0: Do you think that people having access to Google has made your job easier or harder? Like, Do you think that mm-hmm. some people are able to look at stuff on Google and go, oh, it's fine? Or do you think they do what I do, which is think I'm dying
1: every five yeah. minutes? Um, I suppose they've always had it since you've yeah, been a doctor. I think I haven't noticed it as much because we've grown up with it. So you're used to patients being more empowered and having more knowledge, so... Is it not annoying when they come in there and they're like, Cause this is what I would do, <laughs> and be like, so I've definitely got yeah. this. Um, No, I don't find it annoying because I understand the anxiety there. Yeah. So, but it's trying... Often people do have, like, a fixed belief and they're like, no, it's definitely this. And you're, like, trying to explain to them why. But that's not often the case. Often, actually... It's actually not as big a cohort as you would think. Most people still do come in and I think you're very anxious when you go to the doctor because that's like a mass. I forget that I'm seeing one of, you know, so many patients in a day and this they'll be probably thinking about for two weeks. Why am I still have I got skin cancer? So for them, it's a really big thing. And, um, you know, it's a lot of anxiety that comes. They don't know whether I'm going to turn around and say... You know, sometimes the in a clinic, some people yeah. come in and I have to say, look, we think this is a melanoma, we need to get this off now, and they might die from that. So yeah. people, you know, it's natural to kind of um, catastrophise and think the worst thing's going to happen. This is why you're a doctor, because you've got this so empathetic
0: in this situation. I feel yeah. so bitchy. I mean, I don't
1: get me wrong, people piss me off.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but on the whole, I'm like, no, I must understand so when, just quickly, I want to circle back to this question absolutely quickly, but going back to yeah. really living your life, are there oh, any yeah, small yeah, things be... that you've implemented
1: that make you feel like you're living your life? So I think it's just about, I mean, I'm sure everybody does this, but this is my like thing that I do, is just trying to enjoy whatever it is that I'm doing. So even if it's the most mundane thing, like even if, you know you're going for a walk with your friend that might become like the most important memory because you might never see that friend again do you know what I mean Like
0: (laughs) everything circles around someone dying with you (laughs) yeah but that it's true but I think that
1: it does for me because I've seen so much of it yeah so true I've seen so much death and it sounds so morbid but you just don't know when you're gonna pop your clogs (laughs) (laughs) but that's why you
0: can never have an argument and not make up as well yeah and you always have to say love you even if you're in a fight
1: which is what we do yeah through gritted teeth yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um yeah no I think that's what I, I'm not very eloquent I'm probably not the right person to be a good guest.
0: I'm loving oh. this conversation oh, it's thanks. really interesting Okay
1: um but I didn't really oh. Yeah, it's hard to explain it. Joe would be better at explaining it. He's no, very good at living his best life.
0: I think you're explaining it really well. I think basically you're so right that every aspect of your life is geared towards the next goal. So when you're at school, it's like, wait, you've got to get your GCSEs. Yeah. then it's your A-levels, then it's your degree. Then after your degree, you've got to get your job. And then once you get your job, and then it's constant. Yeah, and, and you
1: think, oh, I've done that, like, like, when I'll be I happy i be complete. Yeah. But actually you realise that life isn't about completing things. You're always going to be have moments of happiness and sadness and struggles and difficulties. And so... You know, it's never going to be plain sailing. If, even if you're... You know, we used to always say, oh, I always... Actually, it's one of my favourite things to do. Like, if I won the lottery, I would buy this, 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 and this. And, like, not for me, for everybody else. Like, I have this, you know, we yeah. always have this conversation about what we We work out buy. how much money we
0: give for mum and dad. Yeah, and then and we, we get, get really excited and than, like, so dropping excited. around
1: the keys for, like, the Aston Martin, all this kind of stuff. Anyway, and then <laughs> you're like, oh, and then life would be fine. But actually, you realise that, no, nothing probably changes. It might be a bit easier in the sense that you don't have to worry about paying for certain things, but... But Emily, honestly, genuinely buys a lottery ticket every week. And I've every week now. tells yeah, me that, over. Tells that she's going to
0: win. But genuinely. But we have dreams. I do it all the time day. where we think about, because all we ever want to do is like make sure our mum and, and dad are like safe and happy. So we're like, we'll get them a house. Dad will get an Aston Martin. Mum will have a flat in London. So she can come and see us all the time.
1: Yeah, but I've changed it now because I would do Cheltenham um so you can't take her away from me she wants to be in London she can't no, can't bear it because now Olive and I hang out a lot more that's because we place closer whereas mum used to always come to London but now she's so sad um you've been ditched but no I think that's such a good <clears throat> explanation of it and you're
0: so right it's like I I feel the same way as well that I would always want the next thing and because you're always comparing to people around you, there's always going to be someone better than you. So I'll look at some of my friends and be like, oh, I haven't done that. Whereas
1: actually, if I sit and reflect on where I am, like yeah. I'm really happy. You need to like check yourself, yeah. don't you, and say, because I'm the worst. I get anxious about it. Th- I never used to. It's funny. I think it's an age thing, a lockdown. I've thing, got maybe. really anxious as well. Um, so yeah, you just have to. I think if you consciously try and be happy, you are happy. I'm not saying, I'm saying it like as if I'm not happy, I'm really happy, as in, I'm very lucky. Um, no, you're making
0: really, but it's really <clears> easy <throat> to fall into that trap of feeling like um, a negative, not even necessarily negative, but just not being present in the moment. Yeah, exactly. That's what That's what, I what mean. it is. It's like you kind of go through the motions of the day, you get back home from work, you might be like, oh, I'm tired. And then I'm going to have dinner and then you wake up in the morning before you know it, it's been like three that's weeks. That's a whole day that's gone. Yeah. And just nothing's happened. Yeah. There's another thing that I love that it's like today is the oldest you've ever been and the youngest you'll ever be. And that's the true oh, of yeah. every moment in your life.
1: That's a really good Such saying. a good way of thinking about it. Um, oh, well, there's another quote, one of the damn todgers who I absolutely love. He's so cute. I was so worried I was going to kill him off with my COVID because he came to visit me on the wards. And I was like, get away from me because he should have retired The old ago. one. Yeah, Aww. literally love him. He's like the god of, like, damn toji where we train. Anyway, so during the pandemic, he would, every um, morning to kind of cheer us up, he would always we'd have this like morning huddle apart from you're not meant to huddle because clearly covid (laughs) times but we would do it remotely and at the end of it he would always say like a proverb or a very profound you know saying or a poem and he's just very old school and just so lovely um and one of them he said don't oh I'm gonna say it wrong now oh I've completely (laughs) (laughs) I've saved it on my phone it was so good it's like don't let tomorrow's um don't let tomorrow's troubles take away today's peace. Oh yeah, I love something that. Something like that. I can't remember how it was, but it was so good. And he'd come up with things. He would think, oh, and I'd always like text and shape Like, oh, this is today's one. So when I left, I bought him a book of proverbs, and oh. he literally loves it. Every day, he's like, "We've got an Emily's proverb." That's so. <laughs> but it's really nice because then it makes you actually think about things. But that's a really good one because it reminds me of Fantastic uh, Beasts and where to find them. And oh, in that, do so much reading. The
0: guide No, that's the you know the new films with the Harry Potter. Films, oh yeah, yeah. And he says something like. Um, there's no point worrying after, about something that hasn't happened because then it means you suffer twice. Yeah, which that's is like so basically true. I do that thing. all day long. <laughs> yeah, that's what we do. So Matt never does this. So I will catastrophize about something oh, that everything. is never going to happen and then panic all day for yeah. no reason. Was you shouldn't worry. my favourite thing to do. Okay, so let's move on to your last thing that you wish you were taught in school, which I think is a really important one. Um, it's how to avoid fuckboys. <laughs> <laughs> this was your idea, actually. Well, it's but it we, is. We both, yeah. unfortunately, fallen Love into the trap.
1: Boy. Not anymore. No, we hate them now. We've recovered. Oh, we've been, we have, haven't we? Found our, our special people. Um, yeah, I mean, how do you avoid a fuckboy?
0: I think, basically, you don't date the kind of person that you think is hot.
1: Anyone who uses sunbeds out the window, <laughs> if they blow dry their hair, absolutely <laughs> goner. I think going for men with no hair is safest.
0: <laughs> I remember when Emily had got this new theory that you should go out with someone who's like, N- you don't think it's that hot. And I just started going out with Matt, and I think Matt is so hot. So then I couldn't tell her because I was going to tell her, but we were out
1: for yeah, brunch. But Matt is actually a rarity. Obviously, you and can be Joe. very good looking. And Joe, oh my God, Joe, <laughs> I, Joe, stop it. He'll be listening. Joe is beautiful, actually, his face. because you guys look like twins. No, but he has got a very beautiful face. <laughs> he He's does. got no hair. So when his friends had to shave the hair off, you realise how symmetrical the face is. It's amazing. <laughs> Whereas, like, normally people's hair disguise. disguised. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that. I mean, Joe is very good looking, but he's not, like, he doesn't care about what he looks like. Yeah. Whereas Matt does care about what he looks like, but he's actually a very lovely person. Like, I don't think Matt is a fat boy, obviously. Matt's obviously not a fat boy. No, he's lovely.
0: But what else? What are other red, like red... um basically this is a really good point actually we used to in both of our relationships separately we made to feel constantly on edge and think it was yeah. our own fault and that's such a red flag because matt never makes me feel yeah i
1: remember when i first started to um actually our friend set us up so joe and i met one of my really good friends from school it was like you have to go on a date with joe and i was like oh, i'm not going on a date with one of your friends especially not one of those kind of boys, thinking that he was like gonna yeah be another one of those you know, fuck boys. And I remember us chatting and him being so lovely to the point where I was like, someone must have his phone. This can't <laughs> be a true conversation. Like, who talks about this? And then I realised that I'd just been with the most horrific yeah. assholes all this time and thought it was normal. That's the same thing I'm having. I think you then just keep going with the same ones. You do. So I would have never, like, it's weird. I think Ed must have known that we would have got on and we are so similar. It's weird. Like, everything we think, we've got exactly the same life values and we are just best friends. But I would have never realised that unless somebody had kind of put me in that direction
0: I also think you almost get like not addicted to we but you get really used to being playing like cat and mouse and having to yeah. impress someone constantly
1: well, I think when you're younger you think that's exciting don't you yeah you kind of feel like the I don't know it does seem exciting but actually realize as you get older it's not about that
0: and also like someone letting you be just be who you are and not be like you don't have to act up like we anything that I do or anything that you do, Joe Matt thinks it's the best thing that we've oh, ever yeah. done. Even so if it's cute. like really embarrassing, they're like, Oh my god, it was amazing when you got really drunk and cried. <laughs> I loved it. It was so great for everyone. It's it. a really emotional experience. Yeah.
1: Um, but I think that but I think it is a learning you almost have to do it yeah. to kind of you Almost need to meet those assholes to make you realize what's important in life. Like, I think I wouldn't be weirdly the same person who I am today if I hadn't had those experiences. And I do regret them because I'm like, oh, I can't believe I wasted so much time and energy on that. And they were just dicks in general. But at the same time, I think if I hadn't been treated those ways, I mean, this is my perspective, obviously, that from their point of view, they might think differently, then I may not be who I am today. You know what I mean? Everything happens for a reason. You just wish you didn't waste so much time. No,
0: I agree. And also I always think, loads of people think that everything happens for a reason thing is like really trite, but it actually really helps me. I do think it's true. I love it because then I look back and I'm like, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Like this only happened. And I can trace everything back. Like my worst relationships, I always think, Without that weird moment, I would never have then decided to go and start my yeah, Instagram or whatever. Yeah, like a butterfly effect.
1: Yeah. One, that's what's so scary, like one decision, one wrong thing, you know, you choose the wrong person, then... But then it also depends on what day of the week it is, because sometimes it's quite nice to think that everything's
0: completely random and irrelevant, so that you're just like... Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean. Um, but what else do we need to say about avoiding fat boys? I think the main thing is if you feel suddenly like out of sorts or that you have to, because it is a really weird feeling. I remember just feeling constantly on edge like I had to, like I was going to do the wrong thing and it's because they're constantly gaslighting and making you feel like you're yeah. going
1: insane. That's what's so interesting is I used to get called a psycho the whole time in one of my previous relationships and I think I was a psycho. But, but that's because I was you made one. to be a psycho. So whereas now, I say this to Joe and he's like, he cannot imagine it because we just don't really fight. No. We just, and he, but also he treats me so well that we wouldn't really. I mean, if we fight, it's probably my fault. Um, do you know what I mean? But yeah. he, he's, we just, it's unusual because I don't think he would be able to imagine who I was as a person back then, but you're made to be something, you know, that you're not. Well,
0: I was, the same happens with Matt though. Matt and Joe are so, so similar and like they just will never argue over petty things. They'll never create an argument. They just don't want drama. But I've been in a relationship support where I would tell Matt what my ex would do to me and how, how that might react and he was like well obviously you're going to react like that they literally yeah. like goading it's like getting an animal
1: poking and like poking bear. it with a stick yeah you should never poke the bear do not poke the bear it's a bad <laughs> idea <laughs> but yeah it's hard isn't it I think well people just have to I mean that's just a tongue and cheek thing I don't I think people just have to go through the experiences and I think also there's so much pressure everyone's like oh I just have to be married and have children and you realise actually everything's so cyclical mm. like there'll be people who've been married for like 10 years that will then be divorced and and then there'll be other people at that stage who will have just had a baby. And so you realise as you get older that there isn't any time frame for anything. Nothing really matters. Well, I think like that's that. what's with that.
0: weird when you finish uni and you finish school, is that at school you're all at the same level. And then suddenly when you finish mm. uni and you go into the world, like some I'm living with my boyfriend, but some of my friends are living in a house yeah. share that they've been in for four years. And so everyone's, someone people are engaged, someone has a baby. Yeah. So everyone's at completely different points in their lives and I think it's the first time in your life when you're like oh my god we're not on the level level playing yeah field. and it can make you feel quite insecure if you think oh my god I haven't met the person i meant but to that's be that's
1: society for you because everyone says to you oh so what do you do yeah and do you have a boyfriend do you have children it's like why are you asking me this yeah exactly you should how ask are you, me how are you, are you happy yeah. yeah but no one asks that because it's so ingrained isn't it well, then maybe we should make sure that we ask people that. I always ask people what they do and you really shouldn't no. actually do that it's so bad. Because they might, one, they might not want to talk about it or they might be embarrassed by the job or... Yeah, I or... Know. It's such a fine line because I've we've always been taught... Well, I feel like we've been taught you shouldn't ask too many questions. Well, it's, I do now. It's my job. What well, but- <laughs> yeah, I know. But, like, it can be... I sometimes think it can be rude if you yeah. ask too many questions because if you don't know what people... You don't know what people's background no. is or what they don't want to say or how it's going to make them feel. So I always worry that I come across rude because I don't ask questions because I'm worried about offending people. I do at work. You do ask
0: questions, but you ask really nice, you're not very probing because you yeah, don't want to make like people, people, people feel, people feel uncomfortable. insecure
1: or like, you know, you're asking. but that's
0: that's just part of who you're, you are because everything you do is really thoughtful about, to, to to a fault, you think about the other person. Do you know what I mean? But sometimes yeah. I'm like a bit of a bulldog and I try and shop
1: and I just want to know. Yeah, you just love to know the goss. Love, but it is good that I suppose it's your job, isn't it? Really? Yeah, I don't mean like I didn't probe you too much. No, I wouldn't answer. (laughs) (laughs) I hate talking. I've just realised that there might all be these people listening to us. Yeah, there were people. Thought we were having a chat. I think this is such a good episode. Oh God!
0: Um, Is there anything else that you wanted to add? We haven't actually been talking. It's only been forty minutes.
1: Oh really? God, you said that the conversation would just peter out, and it has. (laughs) What else should we talk about? um what other are there any other things you wish you had been taught in school hmm I wish you'd got me to prep this because I'm I I did ask you a few days ago things in school finances that's a big one absolutely no idea about anything to do with finances but everyone says that um can't think no okay well we don't have to do (laughs) any (laughs) more that's good I think it's a really good answer is it done no. Oh, okay. Well, we can't we can be done. I can edit that. Okay, like, you can it's quite edit that. Shut up. But have. <laughs> no, please do, please do. So yeah. So what did you wish that you'd been taught in school? Um what? Let's turn this around. Okay. I'll be the good condition. I hadn't thought about that.
0: Um, I wish I'd been taught that there were more jobs. Like I wish I knew that I could have done this. Yeah. I had no idea. But you couldn't really back then. It's like quite a new thing. No, isn't but it? I could have like what I wish is that all of my reports but like she taught she's really clever but she doesn't stop talking and no one was like maybe she would like to go into presenting why don't we try and put on like some kind of yeah. course or something. So I spent ages from my thought on to do medicine sort of four A levels because I was like yeah. determined that I had to do medicine as well. I think the whole curriculum needs to be looked at yeah. really.
1: everything's old fashioned. Like why yeah. do we even learn about algebra? Like when in your life I know. are you ever gonna like, exactly. get a calculator out? Or this geography yeah. which is pointless. I mean that could be kind of handy. I mean I never did geography, it's beyond me but yeah I think things need to be changed like things need to be more vocational like yeah, would you like to be a exactly. I don't know a journalist that's I don't know and like
0: our schools really good for that if you were into sport they would really you. but I just wish that I'd I constantly felt like I wasn't doing the right thing and I couldn't ever I was like a round peg in a square hole because I didn't know what I was meant mm. to be doing so I think that would be number one um, my second thing I wish I'd learnt that you can exercise for fun I just always thought about weight loss and then I never enjoyed it and now I love yeah, exercising Yeah that's
1: interesting see I love exercising but obviously I can't at the not been well um but yeah i've never done it for i think because i was always sporty wasn't i at school so i did it because of sport but now if i'm going to exercise i do it because it makes you feel better rather than
0: it does it that's the thing that i've learned i never used to realize is that exercising for me it's endorphins it's how you feel after it just makes your day like it's not really about anything Mm. else what other thing would i wish i was learned in school i'm trying to think what we weren't taught probably about money and finances I've learned so much about finances through doing this podcast, and now and Matt, and now I love like being
1: really good at saving. Yeah, I wish someone had said to me, taught me about compound interest, because then if I knew about that back then, I'd be so rich. Oh, we would have been so buzzing. You could have saved all the twenty p's that you stole from me. I just, well, I just spend all my money on presents. Yeah, I would be so
0: rich if I didn't buy you'd be so for. rich if you didn't try and buy wine for everyone every time we go out and then be like oh my
1: god it's fine
0: <laughs> and then the next day be like I <laughs> just spent 500 pounds
1: no I don't do that I don't even have 500 pounds in my no house. I know It's spent like 50 pounds also you can't stuff. go out anymore no I know
0: but if you could yeah
1: gosh those would be the days but yeah exercise is an interesting one yeah it's good
0: do you want to talk about your long Covid <laughs> oh yeah
1: we could talk about the long Covid <laughs> so because people don't know lots yeah. of people don't know this is a thing So how did it start? So I was unwell. No, I didn't think I was unwell. In April, early April, um, I had really bad abdominal pain. And I hate going to hospital because it's horrible being the other way around. So I was trying not to go in, but I knew that I probably had appendicitis, but I was just holding it off. Eventually went in and it was during the peak of the pandemic. So Joe was like coming with, he does get really worried. And then they wouldn't let me um, have anyone come in with me. So they kind of rushed me in and then just t- take you straight to, like, the surgical wards. And so anyway, I had appendicitis. They'd confirmed it, but then they wanted to just scan on a CT scan before taking me to theatre. But because it was the peak, they were like, oh, just... They didn't even tell me, actually, they scanned my chest at the same time. So I remember, like, going down in the wheelchair and, and being thinking everything was fine. I was just going to have a quick operation, come in and out. And then got out the scan and they were like oh they were like do you work here and I was like yeah and they all looked really worried and in full PPE and I was like oh my god something's happened and um they think they were just trying to be nice because they were worried about me like make small talk and they took me back to the wards and they'd had to like close the whole of the ward off that I was in because obviously I basically my CT scan had shown I had pneumonia on my CT and then they were like shit she's got COVID so then they put me into the side room and I had no, absolutely no chest symptoms at that point, just appendicitis. But I was absolutely, I was in there for like a week and I should have realised, but I was so out of it. I just was, didn't wake, I was asleep the whole time essentially, which you wouldn't have with a normal appendicitis no. and they couldn't operate because my chest, they were like, too dangerous with your pneumonia. So I was really unwell. But you had,
0: you did have a bad chest, you just hadn't realised even what well. like you just hadn't
1: No, rocked. I think, no, I think at that point I didn't have any chest, symptoms. I was oh. just fatigued, which can be a sign of pneumonia um and the whole thing it transpired the appendicitis and the pneumonia were all in so it's all covid related and it was only like a few weeks later that I had started to get really bad chest symptoms and then since then what well, I think basically I then was discharged from hospital went back into hospital for a bit and then had like a week of work felt so bad about not being at work so obviously it was like the peak and I was like I need to get back and everyone was like telling me how um you know understaffed they were and so I, I basically went back way too early and At that point, we had a lot of people who were kind of pregnant, so they couldn't work in the hospital. So then you're like covering and people go off. They don't kind of organise cover normally. And so I was under a lot of pressure and I just worked myself into the ground until I think maybe was it a week and a half ago that I, well, regularly I would almost be falling asleep at the wheel. Just absolutely extreme fatigue. And then I get quite breathless. You could probably hear it when I talk. I'm yeah, like you're more in. breathless than
0: you used to be. But when you were in hospital, you were really ill because you like, would have to be breathing on the,
1: not a ventilator, but like a, what's this mask Oh, things. yeah, well, no, that was, I, I wasn't that bad. I was on the nebulizers. Um But and, yeah,
0: no, but I feel like it was really scary because you, it's funny, because when you're
1: talking about it with you, you're making it sound like it wasn't that bad, but it was no, like yeah. you I'm were really sound, Ill. I was very, very, well, I didn't realise at the time.
0: Because um, you were in and out of hospital And my for like
1: idea weeks. of unwell is kind of different, I suppose, because... Yeah, because you see such extreme... I mean, my idea of unwell is that you're on the ventilator in the sense of care. So I was unwell in the sense of in the hospital, but I was... I mean, I could have died if I <laughs> if Dad kept saying this to me. He's like, if your appendix ruptures and then I need to get taken to then I would have been at the up shit creek. Can but you explain because the reason
0: they can operate on the appendix is you can't have an operation when you have such
1: bad COVID scarring. No, you can, but it's just too risky. So, like, if you give someone a general anaesthetic and they've got a pneumonia, right? Then. I could potentially decompensate under a general anaesthetic. And also if I had pneumonia because of COVID, put that whole team at risk. So because you can treat it with IV antibiotics, luckily mine responded that was the safest option. And now yours has just gone down. Yeah, it's not come back. Not my, not my chest symptoms, yeah. but the appendix. So you're,
0: what are your long COVID symptoms? Because I think lots of people think you're yeah. you're young and really fit, you're really healthy, and they think that if you get it, you'll be fine. Yeah,
1: I think I'm an anomaly. So I don't want like, people to panic or scaremonger people, but I was a rare, I think, exception of how things can go wrong. So I'm 31 and fit and well, don't even have asthma, to the point, you know, I'm so healthy that when I was younger I used to, do like, sport. like I was a professional athlete, used to train that like eighteen times a week, and I think my immune system must have just gone into overdrive and essentially now so i've been off work for a week and a half, and the only reason that I sound like I'm normal now is I have genuinely slept for days and days on end to try and get myself to be able to function so when I was working i would I would um get up for work and I would genuinely have to have about six coffees a day to try and keep me going and I have to like drive to work because about an hour which isn't too bad but if you're has severe mm. exhaustion I would be so exhausted that I'd be driving to work and I'm a cool mum and poor mum I didn't realise this but she would be like crying at the end of the phone because I couldn't stay awake uh. so I'd be like can you talk to me. I physically just can't. Stay. I was trying to say, wait, so I'd pull over and have like 10 minute naps and then I would have to keep going. And so instead of taking me an hour, it would take me two hours. And then the only way I could keep myself awake would be to like slap myself, which sounds really dramatic, but it would like get your adrenaline yeah. going. And I'd be like, right, I've got to stay awake but or hold my eyes open. I genuinely just can't. God, I'd be that exhausted. So and I think by the time I get to work, um, People, it's such a funny thing, fatigue. Like people can't see it, so they don't really understand it. So I would say some them, look, I've, I've genuinely nearly fallen asleep at the wheel. And because you can't see it, people don't really get it. Um, and I think also in the NHS, people are just so inundated sorry, so inundated with um, work and so understaffed that you're thinking, God, we can't another person can go sick. So I felt such a guilt that I was like, can't go I basically push myself for eight mm. months to the point where I went and saw my GP and he was like what are you doing this is so unsafe like one if I kill someone else at the wheel two um I might never get over this if I don't actually try and rest now so I think people at work were thinking oh you know it's just if we could have stopped the driving then she'll be fine but the driving is a symptom of how yeah. I'm quite a stoic person I do just keep going so I'll get You're home like, mom, and like yeah. had to just collapse so my main thing is fatigue and I'm hoping that will just go because i normally have type person that could just be on like five hours sleep. But it's
0: interesting because it teaches you like what you're saying about people not seeing it. It's like so many people have invisible chronic illnesses mm. that no one can yeah. see on the surface and it's interesting how people like treat you versus if you yeah. can like visibly see that someone's yeah. got a broken neck or yeah.
1: whatever it might be. And whereas like, at work I wasn't dangerous to the point where I, I could function at work but I would to do that I would have to have a lot of coffee so then it would seem like I was fine because I'd be probably high on caffeine um but for me I knew like normal. I'm very conscientious and I'm Mm. a bit of a perfectionist so I like to do things perfectly and I'm also I'm normally very speedy with what I do so because the job I'm at now they don't really know me they probably thought oh it's fine but they don't know the level for me I knew I didn't feel like I was off kilter yeah yeah so it's a funny thing because I feel bad about not being at work but I think actually if I didn't do it I might end up like this for god knows how long well this is the longest you've ever taken off work ever oh yeah so I just, I'm just i hoping if I just sleep lots, mm. then I'll give my body the chance to recover. Yeah. And also I get a lot of breathlessness as well, even like walking up and down the stairs um, if I'm presenting a patient. I mean, I'm actually not too bad now, but normally at work if I'm rushing, like between... No, but I can hear you sometimes going, yeah. like in between talking, which you wouldn't normally do. No. So yeah, so you've got to be careful because you think, oh... I mean, on the whole, it's very unlikely, but I think I was a bad example but you do just have to be careful
0: yeah because we were so worried about dad getting it because he's in hospital. yeah and then so he was, was fine. fine and then, <laughs> and then emily it. was in hospital for like yeah. two weeks and dad was like just having my guinness and whatever yeah, rank loving life
1: he's eating oh no i know it's so rank.
0: someone told me oh my god i forgot to say someone replies to my instagram story on oh, you know one of them he was like this meal was from a hungarian neighbor yeah and someone replied being like oh my god that's my friend's family who like gave him that food I don't know why they gave him food he why probably, did you give him food we well, must have gone around and been like can I have some food? oh my god don't I can't <laughs> even. it like, stresses me out so much um
1: <clears throat> well you've been such a good guest have you enjoyed your time on the podcast I have but then I keep forgetting on a podcast and then it makes me a bit like I've had a great time <laughs> Should we cut that out? I think you've been such a good guest. You're actually way better than I was expecting. Oh, really? Thank yeah. you. I'm surprised that you asked me all. I feel like I'm not that interesting. But I've been trying you. to get you
0: on for ages and this is the only free time that you've ever had. Okay. Also, if people want to follow you because you did start an Instagram, but you, you should oh, yeah. keep doing
1: it. Yeah, I've been really bad. So I did start an Instagram because you made me do it. And I do think it was a good idea, but I haven't... I know it sounds so bad, but I just haven't been well enough to do it. So I'm having a break from it at the moment, but I will do it again at some point and it is at dr 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 emily, emily for and there's loads of
0: good posts on that lots related to dermatology and yeah things.
1: but i will get back to doing it again it's hard work though
0: i know well i mean it's not quite as hard as being a doctor but
1: no it is hard, hard but i think, it think it's 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 a good one but yeah i need to make myself do it when i'm yeah. better i'm making myself look-